Hey, you. Welcome back to the Pertinent Podcast, The Wire, hosted by Thomas Merritt, smartest pawn in the game. Tonight, we have special guest Damon Gordon, production assistant on The Wire. Thankfully, I got uh, Damon for the whole hour. I'm just kidding, D. <laughs> nah, we uh gonna start off in uh were were you on all five seasons, D? Uh no, I was uh so I did one, two seasons one, two, I left at the end of two, then came back for four and five. So I was okay. I started doing movies, um, so I kind of matriculated to that side. Um, so I kinda left the wire, but I dipped back every once in a while, so yeah. Nice. So, how did Damon Gordon get his start? What's the backstory on getting on to the wire? You know, we hear about all the the characters and how they tried out and all that for their parts. So, how did you get on? So I so I was working in Baltimore. I was working for this uh, the state at the time, and I was a youth counselor. And uh, I had a buddy of mine that had I'd worked on like his first film years ago. And he knew one of the writers on The Wire. So they were like, oh, we're shooting this pilot. And, um, you know, could turn into a series, but I don't know. You want to work on it? And they kept asking me. And I'm like, nah, I want to work on it. It's, I got this state job. You know, I know where my money's coming every two weeks. Right. I'm not in. But if it gets picked up, sure. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll consider it. Like, you know, like I'm this big shot, right? <laughs> so they shot the pilot. Um, maybe like a few months later, they were like, "All right, well, the show got picked up. Um, what's up? Do you wanna do you wanna work on it?" And I was like, "Oh, cool." You know. Um, so I started to uh, I, I I went in for an interview, and I was supposed to actually be David's uh, assistant because I wanted to really focus on um, being a producer. Right. Um, but he thought that I needed experience on set, which I did. Um, so I started as a production assistant season one and the show that I started on because they, they shot, uh, the pilot, um, I actually started on episode 102. So I don't, I don't know anything about 101 other than what we've all seen. Um, so what I started on was in the night that I started, um, was, um, uh, Herc Carver, and uh, President Belusky driving out to the riot scene. Okay, in the towers. Yeah, yeah, at the towers. Yeah. Right. So that was yeah. the, the, the first, my first night. Was it actually at two thirty in the morning? Um, <laughs> no, it was, no, it was more. We wrapped about. I'd say it probably was like eleven o'clock because I remember we wrapped about like twelve thirty, one o'clock in the morning. Okay. All right. So. Uh, like this is I love this job like this is amazing so what exactly did you do um you would do anything from keeping um you know you're shooting in a scene a lot of things we shot on location so we would keep you would have to keep uh if crowds would form you would have to keep them quiet um you would have to escort actors to set actors to hair and makeup actors to wardrobe um you you know have to get them lunch anything to assist the production i mean that's what the title really means so you kind of are like all hands on deck okay. and, and we also it's in any department as well so if um video village needed to move you got to help move it um 
you know, you have to hand out call sheets at the end of the day, which shows you where you're going to be shooting the next day. It's a, like a long piece of paper that, that shows you which actors are working um, and where you'll be shooting and what scenes you'll be shooting. Um, you know, pertinent information like that. Oh, I love that. Oh, that was a perfect for my podcast. You said it was pertinent. See, I didn't even have to pay you. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, so you're saying that that scene that you came in on, so that means that in Damon Gordon's storage, you don't have the orange couch. Do I, n- um, no, I didn't see the couch <laughs> until maybe like a couple of days later. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know how you know how famous that couch is, right? <laughs> it's like worldwide, man. worldwide. This ugly couch, I hate it. <laughs> Oh, uh, so how? Like before they would shoot, we would have to like set dress and would set it out, and so we would literally have to stand, sit there, and watch it. So no one would steal it. <laughs> so how many times have you watched and gone through like us wireheads? Like we, uh, you know, I've probably gone through about six or seven times myself. How about you? The whole show, right? The whole series. How many times you gone through it? Maybe, maybe like 20 at this point. Wow, 20. Wow. I, you know, I have a habit of like liking something and I watch it over and over and over because I know that I like it rather than watch something new and oh, yeah. not like it. Yeah, so that, and yeah, wow. yeah I've, I've watched The Wire millions of times. Okay, so uh, who's your favorite character? Ring a bell. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You know, there's a, there's some other people that are out there, and I'm not I'm not gonna name any names, but there's other people that do have podcasts that are uh, on on the other side of that with the stringer thing, and and I'm not. I, I was one of those that, so I'm the same way. I uh, a fan of stringer. Uh, what was your favorite quote? Um, my favorite quote is from Maurice Levy. It's uh, you wanted to be in the game, now you're in the game. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, we're talking to Orlando. Yeah, <laughs> yeah perfect. Yeah. 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 All right, cool. But I'm a stringer fan because um I just felt like he was the perfect blend of a man conflicted between two two personalities almost. Like he has one foot in the streets, but he has one foot in business. Um, and I had to respect that because it would have been so easy to be in Avon and just live and die street life. But he really had aspirations of trying to get out and be legit. And that's why I respected him so much. I didn't respect all of his moves. Right. But I could. To be a, a wolf, you got to be a wolf amongst other wolves, you know. And so, um, yeah, that was, I think he was a more complex no, Obama says Omar, but I, I disagree. I think it's String. I think he's the most complex, right, um, layer character on the show. I just do. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, which uh, which down in the hole song is your favorite? Since they got the five for you know one for each season. The down in the hole song. Which which one? I guess I could say which your favorite season that song. Probably number the first one. The first, first one. one. Yeah. 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 I, I I don't like season two, but I've grown to love it because I know what it means. 
but that song at the beginning of season two that's my favorite down in the hole yeah 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 so if damon gordon was in charge what would have been Mm -hmm. different if you could remember back 18 years ago Mm -hmm. which by the way can you believe it's been 18 years i know i know i know i know (laughs) um if i was in charge of the show yeah if you were if you were in charge what would you have done different Anything? I'll tell you what I what I tried to do different then, and I would still do different now. I used to be in David's ear every single week when he would come to set, and I would say, "David, listen, you gotta use some DC drug dealers because David's from outside of DC, mm-hmm. and I'm from DC, and so there are a lot of um, you know local brothers who who were in the game as well um, that I felt like he could have infused." into the show and made characters into the show and since Baltimore and DC are so close I thought that there could have been more of a DC influence but David was not hearing that at all and he would tell me why and we would chat about it but I would definitely have more DC influence in the show for sure okay well a friend of mine Rodney Doc Taylor he uh he loves the go-go music are you a fan of that I am, yeah, I am. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the last thing I have for you, D, is uh, okay. I-, I noticed that, and maybe you can tell me a little bit more about it. In the first seven episodes, they used the CCTV, and I thought it was smooth the way they used it. I talked about it in my previous podcast, how mm-hmm. like when they're walking into the court and they're using the, the CCTV of when Bunk and Mc- McNulty come into the court. I, but the right. first seven episodes, there's at least one scene or more in each episode where they, they do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do you, do you know why that was used? I think they were just trying to establish um, eyes in the sky. Um, I wasn't privy to those to the to the pre-production meetings, right? Um, so I kind of walked into it blind. I really, I, and I really, honestly, to be honest with you, I really didn't catch up to what the show was truly about until like maybe the fifth episode of season one. Like I still like the the day I showed up, I'm like, all right, what do you need me to do? And I was doing it. Like I didn't, I would look at the script, but I wasn't. Honestly, I didn't know what it was about. Like, I knew it was about crime, but like the 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 you know the the detailed stuff I wasn't privy to because I wasn't there during the pilot. So you know I didn't have time to like really get warmed up. I kind of got through in. Um, so it took me a while, but I think it was just their technique of doing eyes in the sky, and that's why they used the CT, CCTV stuff. Okay, and then I, I talked about the uh, where they doing the the match cuts. Where I talked about when Bodie came out, uh, the youth correctional facility up in Maryland, and he had the mop bucket, and it had the same color as Herc Coffee. I just thought that was oh, another thing that that's the way they transitioned that. I thought that was smooth too. I I, I caught caught those on, over uh, several episodes that they did it in. So, sure. Yeah. That, so that was uh, Uta's um, our, our uh, uh, German director of photography. That was her call. That was Uta Brisevitz, who actually does, uh, she directs uh, Altered Carbon, which is on Netflix right now. Oh, yeah. That's a show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's shooting those now. So anytime you see the name Uta, that's who she's, who was shooting um, the this, this series from season one to, I want to say, like, season three. 
is when she jumped off and started doing other stuff. So yeah, yeah, that's all her mind. See that that's some more pertinent information right there that I have now. I I appreciate you, D. Yes, sir. (laughs) Hey, I thank you for your time, Uh, ladies and gentlemen. Damon Gordon, production assistant. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, man. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. All right, remember the game is rigged, man. I hate. All right, so that was Damon Gordon, production assistant. We got some good nuggets and info out of there. So uh, we're going to go ahead and cover episode 12, talking about cleaning up. So the first scene, McNutty's admitting that the Barksdale case is about him. And he was trying to mess up the department. Of course, you have... uh, good police and Kima. McNutty's up there and he's kind of hesitant to go in but Daniels is trying to motivate McNutty. Hey man, we need you to close the case, man. We need you to get on these mopes that shot her. So McNutty finally comes to realization Yeah, it was about him. It should have been more about his team. So now back in the pit, you got Stringer that's coming in, collecting up all the pagers, changing it up. Bodie tells Poop, back up youngin, because he got the phone numbers now, him and D'Angelo. And so you can see that Bodie's uh, starting to go uh, up on the on the totem pole. He's he's rising up in the low rises. Then we got uh, Levy, String, and Avon are talking at Orlando's. They got a little parlay, and of course you got String with the yo, lock that door, lock that door. So, Levy, String, Avon, they're discussing about what they got to do as far as cleaning up. Then we go back to Daniels, who's on the eighth floor with Burrell. He's basically telling them, who do you want to keep on the detail since he's closing it out? And any wise person knows that you don't volunteer information. So Daniels played it smooth because he's saying, oh, you go ahead and, and suggest who you think it is. And if he needs to fight for him, he'll fight for him. But thankfully, Burrell says you can keep the guy that worked in the pawn shop. That would be Lester Freeman, of course, 13 years and four months. And then he says, Balchek's brain dead son. <laughs> so he's talking about Presbo. But as you know now, Presbo's putting in that work. So he gets to keep them, but he loses Sidner and Santangelo. Well, Santangelo isn't really a, a big loss. 
what Sidner is. And of course, from that meeting, Daniels is promised a potential promotion to the Northwest Command. Hmm. Yeah, we'll come back to that. Rhonda gets ambushed about campaign contributions that Lester forgot to tell her about. <laughs> or maybe it was on purpose. D'Angelo informs String and Avon that Wallace is out the game because they're looking for Wallace since they know he had been gone supposedly to his grandma's. But that's the only thing that can connect String. So when they're talking to D'Angelo upstairs and Orlando's up in Avon's office, the I, I, only thing I didn't like about D'Angelo is where he sat at. You know, he had his back to String. Anybody that's in the game knows you don't sit with your back to the door. And you definitely don't want to have somebody sitting right behind you like String was. And on the way out, I know y'all seen up on the door, they had the six-inch rule is strictly enforced. And mind you now, the strictly is spelled with a K. And of course, they marked out the six and put the one. Now that rule was put in place. It's, it's old, old rule that the girls ain't supposed to get within. The guys ain't supposed to get up on the girls within six inches. Unless they're taking their money. But of course, they put that one up there, slashed out the six, because, yeah, that was rarely enforced. I mean, who ain't trying to get that money? The next scene, you got Herc and Sidner in the van, and Lester's trying to listen in to Chardine. That's got the wire on her. And Herc is sitting there sitting there arguing. Uh, but they're they're definitely not it's not the same as Herc and Carr. But we already know Herc likes to argue and he thinks he's right most of the time, but not in the McNutty way. Not being the smartest in the room because we already know Herc is not. Lester actually calls them Ivy Leaguers <laughs> to tell them to be quiet. Chardine comes out. She's a little shook from wearing the wire. Of course, who wouldn't be? It makes me think about Donnie Brasco when they go to the Asian restaurant and they ask Donnie to remove his shoes. And Donnie's like, hell nah. He already know he got this wire in his boot all strapped to his leg. If he takes that boot off, he knows them cats will kill him. So if you want to see what happens, you have to go check out Donnie Brasco. Anyway, Wallace returns to the pit and immediately is like, Oh no, D'Angelo. 
He had told Avon the Strainer he was out the game. Now he's sitting there like, man, Wallace is back. And then, of course, <laughs> Wallace sits there and asks about being back on the money. And Bodie's like, nah, why would you be back on the money? You need to be out there on the corner hollering 5 Of course, D'Angelo, if you want to be on the money, you can be on the money. But Bodie's right. I mean, you can't be running out, acting all scared, and then expect to be back on the money. But we know D is soft. Then we see that on part of that cleanup, Lakeisha Lyles was murdered. And once that happens, the details wondering where Wallace is at. They forgot he was down there at Grandma's. <laughs> One of another funny parts is Daniel says he needs Chardine to be looked after. Talking to Lester, and of course, Lester volunteers. <laughs> and Daniels is telling him, remember who you are. <laughs> and Lester says, protect and serve. Protect and serve. Of course he's going to say that. So we go back to D'Angelo, and we first meet Brianna, his mom, dropping him off some Sterlings, some good fish, he tells Wallace. And of course, Wallace don't know no better, so hey, that's your girl? I'm like, nah, man, that's my mom's. So we get back to the epigraph that says, this me, yo, right here. And that's Wallace. And that's D'Angelo was asking him about, ah, didn't you want to do something else? And like, that's all Wallace really know. I mean, we even find out with Bodie, like Bodie ain't, ain't never been nowhere until he goes to Philly. And it's like, huh? Except for Maryland, of course, when he was up in the correctional facility. But he had no... Uh, no real vehicle on his own. He probably ain't touched that radio he stole up in Maryland. So Daniels gets to finally meet the Clay Davis. Hurt makes Sergeant on his his exam. Score. Oh, Lord, help us. That may be some trouble. So we get back to String talking to Bodie. I say, hey, what's up with your boy? And he's like, he ain't built for this. His heart pumped Kool-Aid. And then String asks him, are you built for this? Then Stringer asks him if he got some heat. Of course, he gives the international signal for heat with his three fingers. And he calls him a soldier. And we all know Bodie's that soldier. Then we go to Lester. He breaks down the 30-inch quick tie. 
and he calls them some draft dodging freaks because they don't know what that is. So basically, the 30 inch quick tie is for Chardine. You tie a rope around her legs, allows her to walk, and then that way she can count off the steps they know where to put the camera at in Avon's office. So Bodie goes back to talking with Poot and discussing about killing Wallace. And something key that he says now that we're going to hear later on, he says, you either step up or step off. You may hear that in season four. And Bodie also says, soft link, break the chain. And he looks at Poot. (laughs) Poot's like, whatever. So in the next scene, it's showing Presbo with the quick math after Chardine does her walk and comes back and starts spitting out the numbers. Herc's trying to write it down on his pad. (laughs) And my man Presbo says, oh yeah, the numbers, this. Herc's just like, all right. So that, that math skills may come into play in and some other seasons also. Another thing that I seen that may happen, you may see later on, Bodie, Poot, and Wallace come back in the car with no meter. Hmm, I seem to recall something in season four that may be like that. May have to do with a dolphin. As we see Wallace ending have to give a shout out to the poster that's behind them. Tupac, rest in peace. It's also kind of a symbolism that we have two young souls that are gone too soon. Uh, some other information, the New York 28 jersey that Bodie has on is, of course, from that time, 2002, was a running back. Curtis Martin. So the next scene, we see Avon messes up again by sending D to get the re-up. Now, of course, he didn't know that there was a a camera in the office and and a wire where they could hear what was going on, but still, he should have never sent D to go get that. should have had somebody else do it and like Brianna tells him you should have had at least another car so it's another case where you have the main man that's in charge making some more mistakes So as D's locked up and he fronts like he don't really want Levy because he's wondering where Wallace is. 
hollering at string instead of just shutting up and let Levy do his thing. He tries to get his own counsel, and of course, McNutty's all over that. And then he tells tells what. <clears throat> Daniels uh, tells Burrell his little bird didn't tell him about the wire in Orlando's. <laughs> so now you have to ask yourself when you go back looking at the episode, who wasn't around at that time? Maybe it was somebody that was in at in-service training? Hmm. So... McNutty and Daniels are outside Orlando's before they go up to get Avon a string. McNutty tells Daniels, what does SWAT think that Tony Montana's up there? Referencing the Scarface movie. And McNutty says, these guys probably hadn't touched a gun in years. So that scene I really enjoyed because it's McNulty and, and Daniels that are going in to meet Avon and String. It kind of remind, reminds me of the movie Heat with De Niro and Pacino when they meet in the diner. This is String and McNulty essentially. So you got the good guy and the bad guy meeting up. One of the other things I wanted to point out to y'all is that the international head knob was used three times in this episode. So you had String with Bodie to come into the car. And you had Bodie with Poot up the stairs for Wallace. And then you got Daniels with McNulty after they take Avon. And of course they leave Stringer sitting there. Sitting there's reminiscing back in the detail, saying that it's the best work he ever did and feels like it ain't finished. And of course, we know this is one of the best shows that we ever watched. Then you got the shot of the empty orange couch <laughs> to close it up. And that ends episode 12 cleaning up now for the finale episode 13 we have the sentencing it opens up with Kima at the hospital as Bunk and Ray Cole tried to point out the shooter little man for sure Weebae she won't commit to Bunk tries the international head knob we talked about in the last episode on Cole doing a finger tap but Kima won't buck on it and of course she says sometimes things gotta play hard the epigraph for the finale is all in the game traditional Wes Balmore so at the end of the epigraph you have the three dots. They're actually called ellipses. 
But of course, the deputy likes dots, so that's what we're going to call them. So we hear the name again of CCO. Last time we heard about CCO, he was with Rock Rock on the original by bus and low risers. But I don't think we ever see him. So then we got Avon that's coming out. Quarter million dollars to post bail. They showing a lot of money. Levy knows it's a wire or a bug there somewhere. That's the only way they knew about D'Angelo. Avon doubles down on D'Angelo being family and won't bunk either. Ooh, hmm. So now they have to transition from Orlando's. Now picture this, a strip club. Now they're going to Carlton C. Tompkins Funeral Home. Strip club to a funeral home. So they get a little visit by Brianna who says that her and String can take care of Avon, keep things going on, get Avon back to that low profile. So Bunk and McNutty, they know to use Wallace as the key to influence D'Angelo in New Jersey, Essex County. So they finally get the info on where Wee Bay is at. He's up in Philly because D'Angelo dropped him off. And of course, we go back to the earlier episodes, episode one, where we don't talk shop in the car. So then they ask him about Deidre Crescent. And he's like, they say tap, tap, tap. And D'Angelo's like, tap, tap, tap. Yeah, so here's how it went down. He said, yeah, Deidre came to the door all naked. And they're like, well, I thought that was Avon's girl. He says, well, you know, girls that be coming up. They be teasing. And he tells Bunk, you know how they do, or maybe you don't. <laughs> Even McNulty had to laugh on that one. <laughs> D describes the whole scene, the FMF scene with Bunk and McNulty, and they're looking at each other and they're like, yeah, yeah, okay. Refrigerator, yeah, okay. And then. D'Angelo talks about Butch Stanford, a.k.a. Nathan Barksdale. And also, he's nicknamed Bodie. In real life, he was one of the most notorious and resilient gangster drug kingpins Baltimore has ever seen. He was a magnet for violence. That's real life. So, McNutty goes federal and... (laughs) And then when the federal doesn't want to pick it up, he calls them a bunch of empty suits. (laughs) Or another classic line of the series and used on a weekly basis with me for certain administrations. Carver says, that's why we can't win. When he's looking at Bodie and Poot trying to secure their territory, he says... They mess up, they get beat. 
we mess up, we get pensions. So we go back to Kima. Kima's gonna be a house cat. But she still does come through for Bubs by way of McNutty and make sure that that he gets that money. Hopefully he stays clean. Hmm. We'll see about that. Carver makes Sergeant, but Herc does not. Hmm. Let's see. What that last episode where Carver... Where was he at? In-service training. Oh, yeah. They had the bug in Avon's office. Hmm. Daniels brings him in, brings Carver into the office and lets him know that he's going upstairs and forming for deputy ops. And so he says, hey, he says, your next assignment. And of course, he gets that promotion because of Burrell. But Daniels knows his next assignment that Carver gets. Hey, you're going to be in charge of some troops. So remember what happened. So next we have Brianna goes up to whatever prison that was he he was at and tries to bring D'Angelo back in since everybody's got to be taken care of. And of course that's his mom so he's going to try to do right by her. So Levy gets D'Angelo back in the game. And that was dirty the way they did Weebay up in Philly. Not only did they smash his car window out, but the man was in his drawers. And of course he calls them some low bottom bitches. <laughs> and next thing Rawls is impressed that Jimmy calls them <laughs> calls them empty suits. And, of course, he ensures his next assignment. He has Jimmy. I want to see you land okay, Jimmy. And, of course, he says, tell me where you don't want to go. <laughs> Weebay ends up going for a few more murders on another pit beef sandwich. Tater salad. Medium rare with a lot of horseradish. Back at the upstairs building, Daniels runs into Major Cantrell in charge of the Northwest. The position that Daniels was promised by Deputy Ops Burrell. No doubt influenced by the non-cooperation dealing with Clay Davis and the money trail that Lester created. So as everybody's getting sentenced in the courtroom, String comes out and tells McNutty, nicely done. That's the same thing McNutty told him back in episode one when they get D'Angelo. For the not guilty sentencing. 
And now you see the transition of several individuals that's in the game into new roles. And also with the police, you see Herc is briefing two rookies. Carver's getting promoted to sergeant status. Bodie's running the re-up. Poot's running the pit and the low rises. He don't have to stand on the couch now and say, I'm the man. Lester goes to homicide <laughs> as he sees Jay Landsman climbing out of climbing out of Rawls ass cheeks. <laughs> And then you'll notice the pit couch is now black instead of orange, signifying the end of season one. And if y'all remember where McNutty said he didn't want to go. And of course, that's the Marine unit. Welcome, Jimmy. The last scene they show is Omar in the South Bronx. Stepping up to a dealer. Pulls the gun on him. All in the game, yo. All in the game. That wraps up the finale. Episode 13, season 1. Pertinent podcast, The Wire, hosted by Thomas Merritt. Season one is finite. Remember, the game is rigged, man.